sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live from Sin City. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing. I'm a soul man. All right, folks, here we go. It is Sportsbook Radio lunchtime with the line makers in Las Vegas. Brian Blessing, glad to be with you. On a Friday, we love heading out to Sunset Station. Our second hour, Chuck Esposito, Racing Sportsbook Director, will join us. And we invite you when you come to Vegas. You've got to check out the local joints. think you'll really enjoy it. And we want to get back to normal and get back to our football and hockey watch parties and all the big events we do and have folks come in listening on Sirius 204. Come to Vegas. Come on out and see us. That's what we're, we're clamoring for. we got sports. It's running. It's up. It's down. It's in. It's out. Games being postponed. We're finding a way to get through. And we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. But boy, oh, boy. I mean, we're just anxious to get back to normal. So we're glad to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius Channel 204. And we're heading to a weekend. Our producer, Chris Pavone, is back in New York. And just say hi to Chris. And I'm curious, pal, life after football, I'm a nut bar. I got, you know, I'm fine. I got the golf and the NASCAR. And I'm into everything. But so many people are laser focused on the 800-pound gorilla that when football officially ends, and it, it never ends, we got the draft, the combine, um, now, the quarterbacks and J.J. Watt, we'll talk about that in a moment. He, he's been released by the Texans. So there's news and notes in the offseason. But I'm just curious, Chris, like how how is your existence altered that football's over on a weekend? Because, you know, for 20-plus weeks every Sunday, I assume, you know, you're sitting down, kicking your feet up when you get to catch your breath, and you're watching football, and now it's not there. I mean, how, how is your life different? It's It's not really. It's actually really not that different from, you know, from football season because I, I'm working so much where every day is just kind of intertwined with each other to a point where, yeah, it's it's like just a week after the Super Bowl. But it, like you said, like, you know, a couple months later, it's it's uh, the NFL draft, the NFL combine. And then it's August. Out of nowhere, it's just it's August. That's what's going to happen. That's really how it is. I mean, in between that, what am I watching? I'm watching hockey like you. Uh, you know, games that aren't canceled. I'm watching uh, some basketball, some NBA, some NBA. Again, I've been watching a little more more of the NBA. I've been watching a little more of my Knicks, which is I thought it would never happen again. So I, that's, that's what I've got on. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's different, but you're right. I mean, the beauty of football, too, and the power of it is even though it's over, it still kind of dominates not dominates, but it's right there with the other sports. Like, there's always a story of Deshaun Watson, what's going to happen? When they, oh, they traded Matthew Stafford, you know, and, and Goff goes to Detroit and Stafford to the Rams. So you spend half a week talking about that, and then the books react, and they put up Matthew Stafford over under 28 and a half touchdowns. Football's always there, and then we get a, we get a stroke of news like J.J. Watt, three-time defensive player of the year. It's a dog's breakfast up in Houston, or down in Houston, as it were, and He's been released. Now we're going to be going, well, where's J.J. Watt going to go? So the NFL, to their credit, they are these marketing geniuses, and it's the product itself that's easy to market, where it really is never out of the discussion. 
And, and really, that's what I I think that's the one thing I love about the NFL is the drama off of the field. I think the drama off the field in the NFL is more is it's so much more interesting than what you see on the field. I mean, even, even think about it this way, Brian. How many um, how many commercial breaks are there in in football compared to say hockey, to baseball, to basketball? Not as much. <laughs> it just always seems like there's a lot more drama and a lot more um, downtime when it comes to football than there is when it comes to any other sport. And I think that's an advantage that football has when it comes to their marketing. Yeah. And the thing is like the masters is such a big thing for golf that when the masters ends, uh, or actually normally when the PGA goes the last major, the odds for the masters come up and, and those are up for, you know, the better part of six months. And you're always looking forward to it. The NFL stuff, before they even play the Super Bowl, next year's odds are up. And earlier and earlier each year, they'll end up with season win totals and props and all this information and the betting market and the appetites there. And it is the 800-pound gorilla. But but football is just never out of the discussion. And then you get a named guy like a Watt, and where's he going to go? What impact will it have on drafting? And now you, know, you just talk about the world we're living in. Now you can bet on the draft over under how many SEC guys are drafted in the first round, how many quarterbacks in the first round. And I think it's the industry and the creativity of the odds makers that enhances everything football has, and it's just on and on it goes. Well, you know what's kind of interesting? Going back to J.J. Watt here, I'm kind of looking at this in a way of like how last year – Everyone was like, "Oh, what's Tom Brady going to do?" This is what th- this is how the NFL markets it. And granted, JJ Watt is not Tom Brady. JJ Watt is not the same uh, three-time Defensive Player of the Year that we saw in Houston all these years. But he's still JJ Watt. He's still that name brand. That is what the NFL has. They have a lot of guys that still have name brand. The NBA doesn't have that. They have LeBron James, and that's about it. Yeah, well, and J.J. Watt is a named guy that's going to have an impact, and we'll see it reflected in season win totals, too, even a guy on the defensive side of the ball. All right, we're off to the races uh, here on Sportsbook Radio. And listen, we got a, a new sponsor. We want to you know, let the word, I'm telling you, I'm an older guy, the, the aches, the pains, the creaking, the cracking in the morning. I'm telling you, Uzu uh, CBD Plus, Y-U-Z-U CBD Plus, it's a different approach. You've got the lotions that you rub on the sore part and it works, but they've got the delicious chocolates and gummies. Believe me, you take pain management into your own hands the natural way. Check it out, Uzu CBD Plus. And if you use the promo code BLESSING, you get 10% off your first order and free shipping on orders of 100 or more. Listen, we're off to the races on a Friday. Sportsbook Radio Series Channel 204. We're talking hockey next with Dennis Bernstein, thefourthperiod.com. Coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, back with you on Sportsbook Radio. Uh, in Las Vegas, Brian Blessing, glad to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius Channel 204. We're going to have a little fun here in the next few segments with uh, one of our absolute favorite guests on our daily hockey show in Las Vegas, Vegas Hockey Highland, but he's no stranger to the folks on Sirius. Many, many appearances and a Saturday show on Sirius XM uh, 91, the Sirius XM NHL Network. He is the one. 
the only Dennis Bernstein, <laughs> thefourthperiod.com. We call him, lovingly, Stevie Slapshot tonight, the most interesting man in hockey. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Baby, I'm great to join you today. I'm doing awesome. Let's talk some hockey. Let's go, but the one thing I would ask you is just getting through this season. I really was worried earlier in the week, and I thought the that it, it was weird. I just had this feeling that Tomas Nosek of the Golden Knights might end up being Rudy Gobert when he got pulled out of a game in the <laughs> middle of the game, and then the next day they were waiting for an announcement about the Golden Knights, and it went on and it went on, and I'm going, look out, you know, maybe a timeout's coming. So, and yeah. the other thing is Philly was on a, on a pause. Vegas, second time in the short window, had a positive test. And they've got the Lake Tahoe thing coming up next week. Uh, but they got through it. And Vegas played their game with Anaheim. But the league's now put in a bunch of new protocols. They're doing everything they can. Why do you think – the NHL is having such a grisly time on the COVID front. Because I think the players think we're in normal times. I think that's the issue. I think they've just been too uh, too out there going into the public and being with their families and the like. And it's still a very contagious uh, virus, and that's the issue. I think that, that the freedom that the players have to roam around, do as they please, is just affecting people getting positive. And it's not only them, it's their families as well. Everybody that's connected to a player needs to hunker down for at least a couple more months. Look, what would be the solution? Go buy 5,000 Johnson & Johnson one-shot you know, vaccines and have everybody vaccinated, uh, and that will be it. Because once you get the vaccination, you get to two weeks, you're immune to catching it. Uh, but I just think that this is the really smart thing to do. Yeah, I was concerned as well, BB. You, you look at you look at what's happening. You look at around. You look at the the. I'm supposed to go up to Tahoe at the end of next week. Uh, I'm saying, wow, well, I'm, I'm actually going to go. Are they going to pull up the game? So yeah, this is the right move to do it. We expected to have swerves. We expected for people to be you know flexible with respect to what's going on with scheduling. But this is a lot. It's too much, and I think the NHL put it something. But it's going to have to be just more vigilance by the players and the people that surround them uh, to make sure that they don't catch uh, COVID-19 and we don't have these mass cancellations and, and you know, 12 or 15, 14 players being put on a COVID list for one team. It's just – it's not tenable in the long run. It's just – it's it's got to really, really reduce here. Are we going to be having another situation? Well, we'll be playing into August for the Stanley Cup final, which the league definitely doesn't want to do. I apologize in advance. I mean, I'm asking you questions. I don't know how the hell you'd have the answer, but you're one of the smartest guys I know. But it's like closing a restaurant at 10 and saying, yeah, yeah 10.05, the virus is going to hit. <laughs> Why is Canada getting through this thing so much better than the team south of the border? I mean, well, I know I think- that's an unfair question, but you got to – you know, a synopsis of it? Well, it's scale. It's a much smaller country. They don't have 330 million people in Canada, right? So I just think on scale, it's only seven teams. It's not as prevalent. You know, when they close things down in Toronto, it's, they have 1,500 cases. They don't have 15,000 like they have here in L.A., or now it's down to probably five or 7,000 a day. So I think it's just scale. It's, just, it's a small country population. Um, and, look, do I think the players being more vigilant? Maybe I just think it's scale. I, don't, I just don't think it's as prevalent. I think that Canada takes an abundance of caution with a very low case count, and that's why you don't see it in Canada at this point. Well, the NFL, to their credit, saved the game with Denver 
where they they basically played without a quarterback. The NFL found a way to get through it with integrity, but we're comparing apples and watermelons. You know, an NFL team eight times a year fly into one place, go to a hotel ballroom or their rooms, virtual meetings, play a game, get the heck out of Dodge. But now you're asking these guys 28 road games and, what, 60 days on the road, rink hotel, rink hotel. I mean, we're, you know, we're comparing apples and medicine balls. Yeah. Well, but that is their job, right? This is their job. These are the work rules for your job, right? Now you stay home. You know, if, if you're in a city where they have dining, right, in, in restaurants and you're a hockey player, you can't go out. Like you you got to stay home and get Postmates or Grubhub. You got to do that, and and you got to have your family make sure that they're signing. Because look, if you're a married guy with kids, and the kid catches it and brings it home, how are you going to stop that if he's going to school? So it, it's it's difficult to balance like work and life for a hockey player that has a family right now. It's it's difficult because can you seal up everybody and tell everybody to stay home for the next four months while he plays hockey? I don't think so. So, it, it, look, it's going to happen. We can't get to zero. And, again, the expectations were really high because we went into a bubble and nobody caught it, right? So, and this is the other end of the spectrum. So I don't fault anybody for it. You're just going to have to be a little more vigilant. You're going to have to sit down with your family if you do have one and have a conversation about what you can and can't do because, you know, daddy's got to go, go make his millions of dollars playing hockey. Well, you just summed it up there. They have the millions of dollars aspect of it, but the league – Trying to put a Band-Aid on a head wound has now implemented a whole bunch of new protocols. The yeah. first thing that makes big sense is, is the rapid testing because, well, let's start yeah. there. How can it happen? And I'm not, like, shooting it at these guys. I mean, it's a pandemic. But how can a test result pop up in the middle of a game and pull a forward off the ice between the second and third period. I mean, they've got to get to the point. I know it's way more expensive, right? But the rapid yeah. testing thing, even though it's maybe less reliable. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's the problem. The PCR test is more reliable. It takes 24 hours. So that's the situation. You had it in, in, in the AHL with the Golden Knights and the Barracudas, right? They had to pull the goalie off the ice or, you know, in the second period. And, and, you know, so that was that was part of the issue. That's the problem that we are. And, again, that's why we have to be flexible. That's why I have to be malleable. And, and just these things will happen. And that's the only – but, yeah, you have to do the rapid testing now. And then the way you can be cautious, pull a guy out. And if he's going to miss a game, you know, it's like having any other injury. And then you get him in the next game and hopefully he comes back negative. So that's the issue. You have to – see, the league has to now balance it out. How do they do it? How do they enact the, the, the rapid testing in conjunction with the PCR to get game flow here to make sure that a the players aren't exposed and b we can play the game. So it, it's it'll take you know probably a week to ten to fourteen days once they enact the rapid testing to figure this all out with respect to protocol and how we approach things if we get a positive test. So I'm still convinced. And again, Brian, you know it's it's not like twenty seven out of thirty one teams this is hit. This is hit. You know a handful of games. Like tonight, well, how many games are postponed? Five, four, five. So, yeah, it's, it's prevalent. I'm not shocked. Um, it's a little concerning. But I think with the rapid testing that will come, then they have to spend 8 to $10 million on rapid testing, another cost that the league really didn't want to undertake. But at this point in time, given the fact that we got eight teams off the board tonight not playing, you have to do it. And the one thing among the new protocols is they're telling the players, even when home, Rink at home and go nowhere. And they're even now bringing the family members into this. Yeah. 
have to. I mean, again, it's it's a it's a necessary. Like, if you chose this is your profession, you chose it, and you want to play the games, and you want to get paid. This is what you're going to have to do, and it's going to be tough on police. But you know, part of me says that for the last year we've been ingrained in this. This is not something coming out of the blue. We're saying, okay, now you got to stay home. I've been in LA. I've been home for a year, basically. I mean, I do go out. I'm kidding. I'm not a hermit. But this is not coming out of the blue. So I think everybody is well aware of what's going on in the world right now. So for them to say, hey, look, at least through April, and it may not be even the case of April. You know, Brian, we also have to factor in what's going on in the world, right? For And the one thing that makes me really optimistic is that in the big picture, right, every day we get more supply of vaccine. And every day uh, the demand for it goes down because it's a finite number of people. This is not an ever-expanding you know, group of people that need to be vaccinated. It gets smaller yeah. and smaller every day. So there's going to be a tipping point. So I would think that maybe you know by late March, early April, we won't have this because we'll have a. Well, I think it's. Uh, I, I, think I got a hard. I got a hard break, Dennis. But you're right. Uh, we got a lot more on that. We're coming right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, we're back with you. Sportsbook Radio in Las Vegas. Brian Blessing, glad to be with you. Hour number two at Sunset Station. Chuck Esposito. Andy Isco going to join us, and uh, we'll dive into all the cool things coming up for the weekend. Daytona 500 actually kind of takes center stage. The golf's at Pebble Beach this weekend. Baseball not too far away. And, you know, we've been talking about the COVID situation in the NHL with Dennis Bernstein from thefourthperiod.com. We got the NCAA tournament coming up, and man alive, how are they going to pull that off? Uh, That's going to be a topic we'll be watching very closely. But uh, soldiering on with our good friend Dennis Bernstein, from the fourth period.com, an incredible uh, hockey site, found of information. Our pal Dennis, I want to get to what's going on on the ice, Dennis, but just a couple more uh, on the COVID front. What is the taxi squad? They're, they're, here's here's the $64,000 question. What exactly is the taxi squad? Now, at the beginning of the year, okay, yeah, you got these extra players and the premises, those guys are there. They're in proximity, but kind of sequestered from the team. Somebody gets sick, you grab a guy, you pluck him off the taxi squad, and you keep going on. Some teams they do, some teams they don't. It's like it's kind of a mixed bag of what they're doing. Is the taxi squad designed to help them soldier through the COVID, or is it turned into more of a just a developmental thing because prospects are having a hard time getting on the ice? I think that's the case, Brian. You're the latter. I certainly think that. Uh, look, the only player that really needs to be protected would be the third goaltender, right? Because you don't want a defenseman strapping on the pads and playing goalie in this game, like with what happened Denver Broncos and in the quarterback situation where you had a wide receiver playing one game. I think that's it. You have to segregate the third goal. I think this is purely a developmental thing. And remember, there's no OHL now. Right now, there's no minor leagues really playing. I mean, it's a, just. A very small amount of kids are playing in the in the juniors right now. So yeah, so there's no really option for a kid like uh, a Payne Crabtree or a, or a Quinn Byfield. I always go back to that example. Can't go play in the OHL. They're not playing. They may play yet eventually. So now he's playing in the AHL. The rules would not have him play there if the OHL was going. So I, I think it's purely a developmental tool. To be honest with you, in a 56 game a season 
when there's no junior hockey option for most of these players, I have no problem with it. But you're right. It's not to protect the players because, Brian, you have a situation where somebody's going on the COVID list. They're going for a while. Like here in Los Angeles, it, it, they were on a road trip two weeks ago in Minnesota. Blake Lazat and uh, Andreas Anthony still don't see them. They're still on the list. They've been on the league for two weeks. So it makes it a little easier to call players up, but it doesn't really protect them because if you have a player who's not waiver uh, exempt, he has to clear waivers. So it's, it's a unique situation, but you're absolutely right. I think it's far more a, del- a developmental tool than it is to protect us from having, you know, 15 players on a squad one night. Because here's what happens, Brian. Like the, the issue is, is that when COVID, if it does hit your team, it's hit multiple cats. It's hit more than just four or six players. And the taxi squad doesn't really mean anything. You have to postpone. Like, if we had a taxi squad that was legit, you wouldn't have four cancellations tonight or four postponements tonight. So, yeah, I think it's purely used as a developmental tool. And I think it's a great idea, to be honest with you, because, yeah, there are kids seeing the light of NHL day uh, because of the taxi squad. All right, but I, I mean, I want to keep an open mind. Last year, I give them full marks. They were bound and determined to complete the season, wanted to hand out a cup. They had bigger fish to fry down the road with a potential TV deal in the Olympics in China next year, and they felt it was imperative to finish last year. To their credit, they found a way to do it with the bubble philosophy, and then they threw extra teams in the playoffs and had to go to points percentage in the teeth of a pandemic. They did it. Good for them. Tampa Bay soldiered through, dealt with it better than anybody. They win the cup. I got great. Congratulations. They won a cup. This year, though, Dennis, it's different. And I and I'm trying to keep an open mind. But I've been saying this for the better part of a month. And sure enough, a guy we respect greatly, Pierre Lebrun, a couple of days ago. I'm like, I knew it. Here it is. That he's where there's smoke, there's fire. If they're going to go to, at the end of the day, if they can't make it to 56 games, they're going to go to this percentage points crap and sort out, Here's here we go, here's the playoffs, let's go, and, and go from there. To me, that's wrong, and, and the integrity of the thing goes out the window because, for starters, it's already technically not a fair or level playing field. You're not playing the entire league. Some divisions are stronger than others. Okay, that's a starting point. But the rub would become if somebody comes up six or eight games short, I'll use a team like Minnesota, for example, who's been shelved. Their last eight games, they've got to play St. Louis four times and they've got to play Vegas twice. So (laughs) they're going to play those games. But at the end, they're going to say to Minnesota, and they missed the playoffs by, uh, you know, whatever, percentage points, that the six games they missed technically could have been against Anaheim, L.A., uh, right. or San Jose. Like, the, they were winnable games that were ultimately the difference for them making the playoffs. It, my fear is it's not a level playing field. That's my biggest concern. Well, Pierre's always pessimistic. Pierre thought that we would never get through last season. So uh, he's always doom and gloom. He's always looking at that side of the coin. Um, you know, they've moved the, the, the end of the season one week, Brian. So the fact that all these games are being canceled, like the, all the, the Devils games, they've all been rescheduled. You know, when, last week when I did my Series X episode on Saturday, I woke up and I got an email saying 27 games have been rescheduled. I'm like, whoa, that's like way too many. 13 were with the Devils. Right, so I'm not at that point yet where I'm saying okay. percentage of games. 
Okay. So that that's part of it is that I really don't think that because they haven't extended the season, but a week. So I think they can get, look, is it going to be tough on these players? Sure it is, but you got to manage your expectations. You didn't, you thought this was going to be an easy season. You thought this was going to go through with, with a breeze with out a bubble. I mean, come on. So I, I'm not at that point where I think we'll get one. Some teams are going to play lesser than the other. I'm going to go to percentage of points If they keep extending the season and then they say we can't extend anymore because we're bumping up again next season, then you're right. But I'm not at that point yet where I think that's going to happen. Okay. Becoming a softer touch a little bit the older I get. And (laughs) when it ended, and with a month or two of perspective, I was less likely to say, like Vegas in in the bubble, they couldn't shoot it in the ocean, right? They couldn't score in their home, and they're, they're done. And you're, you know, you're, you're, so you're sitting there going, well, they, none of their, these guys didn't come through. They, but then I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. These guys, and you were up there. You experienced it. You went through a 14-day quarantine mm-hmm. up at Edmonton, you know, just to, yeah. to be and cover the games. And then I'm sitting back going, well, wait a minute. You know, these guys were prisoners. They, they, they probably were talking to the little men on their shoulders. And, you know, <laughs> you, you know they missed their families. The whole, you know, you got to be a little more forgiving of what they went through. So I, I kind of think of it that way. But I'm watching this the games now. And being hockey nuts like we are, when we saw, oh, my God, they're going to play the same a team eight times. They're playing back-to-back games. We're thinking, you know, the second game, the angst, the hate's going to build up. There have been a handful of instances. Delorier, God bless him, right. stood up and, and went, after, went with Ryan Reeves the other night. Uh, Ottawa had a little thing going on with Cassian and Gabranson. But I'm watching these games, and I'm like, where's the hate? I, mean, I know we're only a dozen games into it. And the funny thing is, Dennis, I think, and I'm trying to read between the lines and get between these guys' ears. It's one thing in a playoff series when you're trying to impose your will and you're trying to be physical and maybe you know wear guys down, guys get banged up, and you're knocking guys out of the lineup and it's survive in advance. I'm watching these games, and it's like, it's like a beer league. It's like you know they're friends and they're all the other the other teams going through the same thing we're going through, and and the hate's not there, I, you know. And I'm I'm just watching. I'm just I'm, the playoffs will be a different animal, but are you a little surprised that the intensity, the animosity, and maybe the physical nature of the thing has not been to this point what we thought it would be? No, because we reached a tipping point on what the game is right now, Brian. Look, there's no Matt Cooks. There's no Brian Marchman's. There's no guys really intentionally going on the ice, headhunting, handing out the dirty hits. It's a less physical game than when our, our buddy Chris Nyland played for the Bruins and the, and the Canadians. <laughs> it, it's just changed. It's, it's not, not, not like that anymore. So I don't think there's, there's hate out there. And it's, it's not about, like, what this generation of players are. And now we sound like the old guy yelling at the cloud. But I, I just think that the game has changed. I think it's all about speed and skill at this point in time. Look, you look at a team like Colorado, except for maybe Ryan Graves. They got small, speedy guys on the blue line, and they're one of the Stanley Cup favorites, right? So I think that that's where the game is trending to. So um, if there is a dirty hit in a Calgary-Edmonton game, and it's if somebody hit Conor McDavid questionably, would they have to answer the, uh, answer the Cassian? Of course they would. But until that point happens, and I don't see that very prevalent in the game, I think this game has changed, so you're going to expect skeet and skill. You're going to expect lax defense. Because, Brian, remember, that, that term that we use, meaningless, when it comes to uh, preseason games, 
they're not meaningless anymore. They needed that time to prep and put systems in. And, and some of these teams who haven't played in 10 months, they needed that time. So by the time you got to game eight or nine, that would have been four games or four preseason games. So I'm not shocked at the level of play at this point in time. But it, it's not the – it's not the big bad Bruins. It's not the Brooklyn State Phillies. Those ga- those are are great teams. They're great memories. That's not the way the game is played today. No, there's there's no getting around it. It's it's completely a different animal. Dennis, I know you got a, another show coming up on Sirius a little bit later today. What's going on? Oh uh, yeah, so we're going to do the discussion room with. Uh, my buddy uh, Steve Coolius, uh, I believe Shane O'Brien as well is going to sit in. So we sit around the table, the uh, the figurative square table, and we talk about great topics uh, today from two to three uh, Pacific and five to six Eastern. And then tomorrow, of course, our hot stove sh- hot stove show on Sirius XM, also ninety one uh, from eleven a.m. to one p.m. Eastern. He's our man, Dennis Bernstein. We're not done with him just yet. Another segment still to come with Dennis at Sportsbook Radio. Lunchtime with the Line Makers on a Friday. Glad to be with you from Las Vegas. I'm Brian Blessing. We're inviting you to keep it right here. Coming back on Sirius Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, folks, we're back with you here on Sportsbook Radio, lunchtime with the Line Makers, Series Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Hour number two, Chuck Esposito, Andy Isco, racing towards a busy weekend post-football, but there's a lot of cool stuff on the docket. We're diving into hockey with our dear friend Dennis Bernstein, thefourthperiod.com, and a lot of the talk was about the COVID stuff. Let's get it back onto the ice. But, Dennis, I, I was laughing. During the commercial break, because I love to wax nostalgic about the game. We and by the way, uh, midnight tomorrow night uh, here on Sirius Channel Two Hundred Four, Cam Stewart and I and Andrew Torres, we do the Light the Lamp show. We've got the Light the Lamp podcast. In the one podcast, we were actually waxing a little nostalgic when you said Chris Nyland, because we're the same age, basically. Yep. When you said Chris Nyland, it brought a smile to my face because I so fondly remember those days covering the Sabers that. You know, you'd play the Bruins, it'd be Terry O'Reilly. Or they'd play the Canadians, it'd be Chris Nyland. And Larry Playfair was a monster, maybe one of the best fighters in the history of the game. And I'd watch night after night, you know, and he would just keep coming back for You know, Larry Playfair would hit Chris Nyland with so many rights, he'd be begging for a left. They'd play the (laughs) next night, and Chris Nyland would come right back at him. God bless those guys. Yeah. Hey, I'm on with Chris every Friday, actually. Uh, we do a segment oh, that's on wild. a show called Off the Cup and TSN 690. Now, he's a great dude. You know, it's funny, in this virtual age, Brian, like, I've been on with Chris for, I think, two or two seasons at this point in time because of what's going on in the world. I still haven't met him face-to-face. We're like, we're tight. Oh, like, is we that right? After the game. We've never sat down and had a minute. I can't wait for the day where I can go up to Montreal, hopefully for the maybe the draft this summer, and sit down and talk with him. But Chris is a really opinion, opinionated, funny cat. But, yeah, he's one tough dude, man. 
when you get a chance, ask him about some of the dances he had with Larry Playfair. It, it was a oh, different yeah. game back then. And, you know, For we sure. have the NHL package, and we watch all every game. It's at our fingertips. Larry Playfair would terrorize him. I mean, he, I, I was in Minnesota. He destroyed it. Willie Platt, who was a monster. He would yeah. he would pick people up. He hit them with windmills, pick them back up, and feed them a couple. He was a monster. <laughs> but it was such a tough way to make a living, and the games weren't yes. on TV. I mean, Dennis... He terrorized everybody. I mean, I never saw him lose a fight. The toughest guys in the league, wow. he, he'd, he'd, he'd kill them. It, right? They went on the road, played a game in Winnipeg. It wasn't on TV. Dave Mann up, up in Winnipeg got Larry Playfair. They came home from the road trip. He, fl- he flushed them. He come back, two black eyes. I'm telling you, he wasn't the same guy ever again. It's, a, it's amazing what a tough way to make a living that was. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's such a different game. And the fact that these guys are, you know, like Chris is up and around. Yeah, I think I'd, I think surgery on his knee, surgery on his hip. So it, it just, it really takes a toll on these guys. But uh, they are legends of the game. And I'm happy to call Chris a really good friend. Dennis, do you watch the games now? And again, it, it's a different era. Is it better? I, you know, mm-hmm. probably. I mean, the speed, the, the talent of the players, it's hard to compare errors. But do you find yourself when you're up in the press box, I swear to God, it happens three times a night, and the hair on my arm stands up, and I go, oh, a guy coming down right wing at the blue line coming in, cuts to the middle with his head down, and here and, the, and he's, he's on the train tracks, and these yeah. guys let them off the hook all the time. I mean, I'm sitting there going, 20 years ago, your career might have just ended. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that was the there's mindset no back Stevens, then. Right. Yeah, there's no Scott Stevens waiting for Eric Lindros at the blue line or Paul Correa. It just doesn't happen anymore. And I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's respectful. Look, there, are there are ways to go. Yeah. There's still guys who are careless out there. I remember and Kevin Fiella got suspended a couple of weeks ago for hitting Matt Roy, throwing him right into the board. So I think that it's gotten better. It's just like, you know, if you see the guy's numbers, like you just let up and ride him into the board. So I just think that there's a, I don't think the ruthlessness in this game is is here that it was back when the guys I mentioned like like I said Scott Stevens you know and and back then those were legal hits right and then back like today there's no way Paul Career ever comes back in that game and scores a goal right he'd be in the he'd be in the quiet room he'd be in concussion protocol it just wouldn't happen so it's just a very different outlook and it has to be Brian because again at the end of the day the the beauty and the grace and the skill we have in this game it's a very physical punishing game and, and to make it. For some of these guys, like a, a Patrick Marlowe, who's 41, or Joe Thornton, so to, to make it that long playing this game is just a, a testament to what great athletes we have in this sport. So yeah, it, it's changed. And look, yeah, if I want to get wild, all I have to do if I'm in the if I'm in LA watching the Kings at Staples Center, all I have to do is click on the Edmonton Oilers highlights and watch the two goals that that Connor McDavid scored last night and. I'll go wow because that kid is unbelievable. So the skill every day is more and more skill. So you know the guys like Matt Green who were steady stay-at-home defensemen who couldn't skate. There's no room for them in the game anymore, Ron. You really, if you cannot skate, at least be an average skater, you can't play in this league. It's just you're just toast. All right, there's two games tonight. Uh, the Boston's a dollar eighty at the Rangers. The totals five and a half. But here's the St. Louis at Arizona. St. Louis is a dollar thirty favorite. The total's five and a half under twenty. We're in the middle of watching something, Dennis. I mean, if you want to call this hockey history, and hopefully we never see this again, but yeah. because of an odd dynamic of certain cancellations that f- fell a certain way, St. Louis and Arizona are in the middle of playing seven consecutive games against one another. 
That, now, that, that sounds cool, but I got to be honest with you, I, and I love the game. I'm finding a game here and there that I'm intrigued by on a nightly basis. I thought it was going to be cooler than this. I, I find myself going, not again. I, I'm, I'm a little let down by where we are. I'm, I'm hopeful there were a dozen games into this that yeah. they, they do find a rhythm and a groove, and then this becomes this really cool thing we thought it was going to be. I just think you don't like Arizona. I think that's it. I think if it, if it was St. Louis and Vegas, I think you'd sign off for seven games straight. Yeah, but I'm, Colorado, Dennis, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of watching. You just hate on the Coyotes. I, I'm sick of watching Arizona. Or I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sick of watching Anaheim or, uh, you know, I just the same teams over and over. It, I don't know. I just I, I expected more out of it. and I, But I'm trying to put myself well, in the players' shoes, and it's kind of what we're talking about is – that they're just they're just trying to get by. I, I you know. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think because we're early in the season, and this happened. If the Blues, if the Arizona was two points out of a playoff spot with ten games to go, and they were playing seven games against St. Louis, those would be games of import. We still don't know because here's the other issue, Brian, is that because of some teams playing, some teams not playing, you can't really look at the standings. Right, it's like okay, this team is two points out, but they played six more games, so they get four and eight. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that that's that's part of the issue. So and look, are there some are there some boring teams in in in, in the West? Yeah, Anaheim's not a thrill to watch. Arizona's not much better to watch. They're not exciting. Minnesota because Kaprizov's a better team to watch. I watched San Jose last night. They are not a good team. Like Eric Carlson is stealing money out there the way he's playing, and the Kings. Look, they don't play much defense either, so it's not. It's I think it's because we're in the West, and those are the teams that we see or pay attention to more. Uh, I think that's that's part of the issue. I think that the North Division, even though it's really the Canadian Division, Brian, like that would be a really good division, except they got a really bad team in there in Ottawa, right? I think that would be amazing. I think that the, the intrigue with respect to Vancouver, they lost again last night. They've lost six in a row. I think that's part of it. But I think at the top of it. I think, Brian, I'll flip you. Like, so I get the San Jose, I get the St. Louis, Arizona hate for seven games. But if Toronto and Montreal play three games at the end of the season and they're two points out for the division title, like those are going to be exciting games. So I think that we're at a, a situation where we're not deep enough into the schedule that a game like a series like that would be of real import. You can bounce back from that. But, you know, the last two weeks of the season – I think everybody will say, wow, this is amazing. I think we just got to wait to get to the I last hope. 10 or 12 games and then say, oh, the, this is really something. But, but the one that scares me, Dennis, in terms of the, the big picture, the, the first battle of Alberta was like an all-skate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, Look, wait a minute. <laughs> what happened there? Brian. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's, who's caught your eye around the league, buddy, uh, good or bad? Well, we know we know what's going on with Ottawa. They're showing a little fight, but the results aren't there. But uh, how about maybe who's surprising you a little bit? Uh, surprised me a little bit is just the way the Bruins are playing. You know, started the game, start the season without Pasternak. Um, the left side, the guys like Jeremy Laws on, and you know, playing on the left side, they they lost Z, they lost a char, they lost uh, Tory Krug. They've been fantastic. I just think that their their core has really stood up. Tuka Rask, except for coming off the ice late the other night when he thought the game was two one. Oh my! The was kind of <laughs> they don't so teach I, math I in Finland. <laughs> I guess they don't. So to me, like the Bruins, the way they've come out of the box is fantastic. Because everybody's saying too old. 
uh, defections on the blue line. They've really just their leadership group has been amazing. And the Florida Panthers, you know, very, very quietly because they play in, you know, they usually play in that amount of front in front of that many fans. Anyway, the fact that Florida's eight, one and two out of the box and Jonathan Ubedo's playing really, really well. I think that's a total shock at this point in time. So look, they'll be neck and neck right now with Tampa Bay. But I think to me, the two biggest surprises, the Bruins again, coming out, out of the box strong with the defections. And right now the Florida Panthers, I think, are the store in the NHL, 8-1-2 and two through 11 games. The one that I'm thinking, it, it's they're, if phony's the word, I don't know, but you still have a guy like Sidney Crosby there, and you've got the, the tumult that's going on in Pittsburgh now. Uh, you you yeah. bring Hextall and Brian Burke in. They get a late goal, tie the Islanders, and get a win, you know, get two points. But I'm looking at Pittsburgh, and I'm wondering – is is Sidney Crosby on the outside looking in this year in terms of making the playoffs? Uh, it could be. Look, Brian, there's going to be two good teams in that division that are going to miss the playoffs, right? I don't consider Jersey and Buffalo, but I still consider the Rangers a good team. Yeah, it, and look, you look at their goaltending, both the Smith and Jerry, it's just not enough quality. They have save percentages in the 850s. It's not going to work. And they, they may have to go into the market and get another goaltender. And wouldn't it be something if <laughs> – if Marc-Andre Fleury won it back in Pittsburgh at the end of the season, so, you know, who knows, whoever knows. But well, the crazy thing, at- Bob McKenzie, Bob McKenzie reported that midweek here. We said this all summer. Vegas was trying to give Fleury away. Here's a second-round pick. Please yeah. take him for cap relief. And But we said all along he's got a no-trade list, a 10-team no-trade list. And, like, Pittsburgh always made sense. Do the guy a solid. He could end his career back there, and he'd be a nice bridge for them for a couple of years. It made sense. And they didn't do it. And now Pittsburgh's desperately called Vegas a yeah. couple of times trying to pry Flurry out of there. And they're like, no, I think we'll keep him. Yeah. Oh, well, he can be. Look, he's the better goaltender right now. Clear-cut better goaltender. No so doubt. You, then you, you, right? Then you scratch your head about why you gave Leonard 25 over 5. When you had this guy and he's been the, the better goaltender, the problem with trading about the Pittsburgh is they're up against the cap. Where are they going to find $7 million? And as you know, Vegas doesn't want to retain salary, so that's, that's going to be tricky. They'd have to send back uh, you know, comparable money, which I don't really see happening because they can't really trade one of their $7 million. But like, you can't trade like back uh, uh, Chris Letang, who's making seven point five. So the, the problem right. would be the money on a trade like that. But, yeah, I think that – with respect to them, if their goaltending doesn't improve, they could be in the outside looking in. You're absolutely right. And then they'd have to address the team's future with Sidney Crosby in the summertime, which is already supposedly on the, on the books. All right, Dennis, get about 30 seconds. Tell them where you're going to be today and then your show tomorrow. Okay, Sirius XM from 5 to 6 Eastern with uh, Steve Coulis on the discussion room. And then tomorrow, the hot show with me, David Pagnona, and Ryan Payton, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, 8 to 10 uh, a.m. Uh, in, in Pacific time zone. He is the most interesting man in hockey, and it's one of the most interesting <laughs> sites in hockey, thefourthperiod.com. It is chock full of information. Dennis, you're the man, buddy. Have a great weekend. Always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure's all mine, BB. Thanks for the time. Gotta love him. Dennis Bernstein. All right. We got another hour still to come. We got to wrap up this hour. Uh, we're at Sunset Station on a Friday. Chuck Esposito, Andy Isco in hour number two. And you got Scott Farrell coming up. Uh, this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern right here on Sirius Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
All right, heading to the top of the hour. We have another hour still to come on Sportsbook Radio right here in Las Vegas on Sirius Channel 204. Thrilled to be with you on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Chris Bavona, our producer in New York. Uh, Chuck Esposito, Andy Esco, in hour number two. Chris, I got to know, do you, even if you didn't care about it per se, and I'm into it now big time, but it's like the big one, like the Indy 500. I watch that every year. I love it. It's, It's always remained a favorite for me, but I don't watch that much of the rest of the circuit. I do watch NASCAR all the time, but do you do you sit down and plop down? Does the Daytona 500 mean anything to you? Not ex- not necessarily. Although one of my favorite movies growing up was uh, Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise, so I, I have some interest in it. Plus, when I worked when I first worked at SiriusXM, I was the advisor to the uh, to NASCAR to their to their play by play. So we would do the Daytona 500 like that was our Super Bowl, and I so I, I'm I'm a Casual observer. Plus, I also love Talladega Nights, well, even though it has nothing to do with Daytona. I, I, the, 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 yeah, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Hey, listen, I got to tell you, I'm, this is my little service to you. I'm watching the two races, the duels last night. Eric Amarola uh, won uh, the the one, and you know, it was an exciting finish. But they had a rain delay between the first duel and the second duel. Uh, go look it up on YouTube. This is for you, pal. They did an hour documentary on the making of Days of Thunder. I watched this thing at 1 in the morning last night. I couldn't stop watching it. They came up with the idea of this. But they actually, the cars they used to film, the authenticity of that, they actually had to, they said, we'll let you do this, but the car's got to be fast enough to qualify for the race. It's an amazing documentary how they made that movie and the work that went into it. And actually, Days of Thunder was a big part of the explosion of NASCAR, and they're revisiting that movie that was 30 years old. Check it out. It's a documentary on Days of Thunder. You'll love it. Now, that movie's actually sort of like loosely based on Tim Richmond. Yes, it is. Yeah. It was Tim Richmond, there was a little Earnhardt in there, and there was the uh, Robert Duvall was based on an actual, uh, you know, pit boss. It was great stuff. I think you'll love it. It's a great movie. Hey, we think you'll love the second hour. Keep it right here. Chuck Esposito, Andy Esco, more of Vegas Sportsbook Radio still to come after the top of the hour right here, Sportsbook Radio Network and Sirius Channel 204.